just want to do more. I, I just want to push my body and my boundaries and see how far I can go. And I think doing a challenge like that is huge for you mentally because, you know, I think anyone that struggles with depression, anxiety or whatever it may be should do something like that because doing something that you think is actually impossible for you to do, it creates this new level of self-belief and confidence within you that makes you feel like you can do anything. Hey, welcome back to the next episode of the Trail Running Women podcast. I am fresh off of a plane from Vegas where we had our 50k race in the desert for Red Rock Canyon 50k. I was supposed to do the 100, but I was 18 weeks pregnant, so dropped down to the 50, and it was so fun. It was definitely challenging in a variety of ways that we could not predict, which we knew there would be something that we just weren't going to be prepared for, and we were but it was awesome. So we are going to be doing a race recap next week. So come check that out. It will have Andy and I, and we'll go over how the race went for both of us and how we navigated surviving the Vegas strip. And then also doing a 50 K because those are two polar opposite things that you could possibly do. So today's guest is Millie Pickles. And she was recommended to me from a friend on Instagram who said, I need to speak to this person. And I went and checked out her content And so you can find her at Millie Pickles is her website. And I will link to all of that in the show notes and her Instagram as well. But she is a content creator and a motivational speaker and fitness and disability advocate. So uh, in 2017, she lost her right leg below the knee following an accident. And since then, I swear she did not miss a beat. Her mindset is so inspiring, so motivating that she just said, okay, this is what I'm working with now and these are the things I'm going to go after and reading some of her Instagram stuff I believe she does also give herself time to rest and regroup but she knows she's still capable of amazing things and it is really fun to kind of follow along on her journey she's already done some amazing things like the 400 meter Red Bull challenge which is 400 meter sprint straight up a mountain like absolutely terrible And now we get to speak right before, right as she started training for the London Marathon. So she's in the early stages, but super consistent. Her long runs are getting longer. And it was really fun to kind of hear how she's mentally and physically dealing with that, both from a logistical standpoint and also just the grind that it is to train for a marathon. So she definitely has the mindset to do so well in that. And I think she's going to really enjoy it. So again, her Instagram is also just her name, Millie Pickles, and I think following along on that training is going to be really inspiring and motivating for everybody. And then hopefully we get to connect again afterwards because I'm sure she's going to go out there and have just a fantastic day. And from what I could take from our conversation, I'm sure that will just lead her on to some other big, amazing goal. So it was really fun. She's got such a great energy that I just had a lot of fun chatting with her. So if you want to check out our backlog of episodes, they're going up on Patreon as well as a couple of bonus episodes. Um, So all of that can be found in the podcast Instagram, which is at Trail Running Women Pod. And I encourage you to go find us there. What else can I say? I think that's it. Thanks everybody who's leaving ratings and reviews. That means a lot to me. And if you have guest recommendations or questions for our Trail Tips episode, please reach out on Instagram as well. Okay, here's Millie. I am speaking with a guest today who you're just chatting with before the show. I was recommended by some of my English friends and your story is pretty impressive and inspiring for obvious reasons. But what really drew me to you is your mindset 
around happiness and that yes, it is a choice, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. And it really feels like there's a lot of work you're putting into creating a life like that even before your accident. So I'm excited to get into all of your story and how you have gotten to this place of major mental toughness. So welcome to the show, Millie Pickles. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. So let's get a brief uh, intro. Why don't you tell everybody where you are living and maybe we'll start with kind of your accident and how you got into Instagram because that's going to be probably where most people know you from. Yeah, so I'm from North London and I'm 26 years old. And when I was 20, I had an accident. So I got electrocuted and it's a miracle that I'm alive, really. And I was fighting for my life and my legs. Uh, And my surgeons originally thought that I was going to lose both my legs right at the top. But they amazingly were able to save one and a half. So I only got half of my right leg amputated. So I'm a right leg below the knee amputee. Um, And I also lost my big toe and another toe on my human foot, I like to call it. Uh, So people are always like, oh, you can't balance then. And because I have the bone underneath my big toe, I can balance, but it it isn't easy. Um, But with my accident, I coped really well. And it all comes down to the fact that I'm just so grateful to be alive. So for me, limb or no limb, I'm just happy to be here. And I've always taken that mentality. And with starting Instagram, I just, I knew that when my accident happened that I learned the value of life and I was safe for a reason. I just wanted to help people, but I didn't know how or what. Um, And at the time, you know, I was focused on learning to walk again and I was on my placement year through university. So I was working at Chelsea Football Club in marketing. Um, And so that was my focus. And then I went back to university for final year and I thought I didn't nearly die to not get a first. So I was focusing on university. And it was only when I came out of uni and I was working at Chelsea again that I started posting on social media properly because initially I only shared a post literally about two months after I came out of hospital to my friends and family just, you know, to address the elephant in the room. I thought, you know, it's obvious that I've now got half a limb missing, so I can't really ignore it. So I just did an announcement post. And people were curious about my physio. So I just shared that. But I didn't do it for too long uh, because obviously I had other priorities. And so I went back to it after university, which was lockdown time. And I, <laughs> it's quite funny, really. I didn't have TikTok and I refused to download TikTok because it was for kids. But my sister, who was older, she downloaded it. And I thought, well, if you've got it, I can get it. So I downloaded it and I saw this flexibility challenge going on and there were markers all around your body little like text on the screen that people had added and you had to get your leg to hit each marker I don't know if you remember that one but um I thought well like not flexible but I do have a prosthetic leg so I literally just took my leg off and pointed at the markers instead (laughs) (laughs) yeah people loved it and it got 1.7 million views and I was like what um so I just went for it really and I think I just, I fell into it more than anything, but I'm so glad that I did because it helped me find my purpose to help others. And there was no one that I could really relate to when I lost my leg. And that's all I wanted. I just wanted to see someone that was further along the process than me. And I I looked on social media and there weren't many people. So um, like, if any, to be honest. So I knew at that moment that I was the person that I needed to be, that I needed to have for others. So 
yeah, I just kind of fell into it and I'm so glad that I did. Yeah. Like what sticks out for me is how fast that all happened, uh, like straight out of university and then thinking, okay, so these are my next goals and I'm not going to let an accident like that changed the course of my life. So I'm wondering, was there any time where you were feeling depressed or kind of like you, like the shock of losing your leg and what your life was going to be? Or were you instantly just like, okay, this is the next thing I'm dealing with and on I go? I was pretty much instantly okay. And it comes down to the fact that I mentally prepared myself for my leg to be amputated before it was. Right. Because with internally burning, I kept on burning for weeks and it felt like I was being electrocuted the whole time. And I, I knew how much pain I was in and my surgeons had to keep doing debridement, which is where they keep taking away dead muscles. So I saw my leg, there was not much of it left. And I was like, Oh, even though no one said to me that it would be amputated, I just innately knew. So I prepared myself mentally. So two weeks after my accident, the surgeons came into my room and I was in this little room like it was so tiny and they all came in and there were so many of them and they were really, <laughs> the room was so cramped. And I just remember my surgeon talking for ages, weighing up the pros and cons of keeping my leg. And I just interrupted him and I said, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but I've seen my leg, I know it needs to go. And he was like, are you making the right decision? Are you sure? And I said, yes, because I just wanted to get back to my life. I didn't want to have to be in, in and out of hospital fighting for a leg that was quite clearly dead. And I just knew that's what needed to happen. Um, so as soon as all the surgeons left the room, the first thing I said to my parents, I literally had a few tears. And the first thing I said was, at least I can be in the Paralympics now. And it was never a goal of mine to be in the Olympics, but my brain instantly was like, quick, Millie, what what, what could you, can you do now that you couldn't do before? And the first thing I thought of was the Paralympics because I just wanted to make myself feel better. Um, yeah, like there's a hope and a goal for you. I totally get that. Yeah. So then there was always something I was focused on. So when I was in hospital, I was learning Spanish. I would order my breakfast every day in Spanish. I was reading books. When I came out of hospital, I was learning to DJ because I always wanted to do that and I had all the spare time. <laughs> I was like, I've got the time, may as well use it. <laughs> um, and then I was doing marketing courses. And then once I got my prosthetic leg, I obviously was learning to walk and having physio. Then I returned to Chelsea within yeah two months of coming out of hospital. And then did that for eight months, went back to uni and then you know focused on getting a first at uni, which I managed to do. And then leaving uni, going back to Chelsea. And then I wanted to be in the Paralympics at that time due to the initial thing that I said to my parents. Um, it was just something I wanted to do. So I was grafting so hard, like getting up at five, training and then working at Chelsea nine to five and then filming content in the evening for social media. Um, so it was always like I've always had a goal and I've been concerned that have I been, you know, covering up any potential feelings that I have and just right. my mind and would they catch up on me? And I'm very con like, well, even now, but in the past, I'm very conscious of that. So in hospital, I had a therapist the whole time. When I came out of hospital, I had three different therapists. I had a therapist last year. I'm a very self-aware person. So I'm always journaling, asking myself questions and trying to figure out how I'm truly feeling because I would hate for my accident to catch up on me one day because I still am genuinely fine. So I feel like I'm still trying to do the processes of, of 
making sure I'm okay because I would hate for it to hit me. Um, so yeah, I'm always focusing on a goal, but also trying to conquer my mind at the same time. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's kind of actually what I was wondering, but it feels like with something like that, it really is just the self-awareness. And if you're doing all these things because they make you feel excited, but you're present in them instead of using them as a way to dissociate or distract that you probably are on the right track, like you're thinking, right? And just continually checking in. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what I try and do. <laughs> so the Paralympics thing, let's back up a bit and tell us a bit about your life as an athlete before the accident so we can get a better idea of all of these amazing things you've you've gone for after. So I've always been very sporty. I'm the youngest of four in my family. We're a sporty family. You know, I did netball, which... If you have any American listeners, you might not know what netball is, actually. <laughs> Do you know what netball is? No. Well, I mean, yes, sort of, but not the details. Is it kind of like soccer with your hands? No, no. It's like basketball, but uh, you don't move with the ball. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I sound so stupid right now, but I do. My friends are going to make fun of me so bad. I do know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I love it. It's, I've always loved it. And I did it in school, outside of school. I also did lacrosse, athletics, cross country. Um, I was on the lacrosse varsity team at uni. So I've always been very active. And weirdly, when my accident happened, I wasn't concerned about exercising. I, th- I knew that I'd be able to do it. Um, I just knew that I had to adapt. So I can just still do it. I just do it differently. Um, and I, I've always been very excited since losing my leg about like learning how to walk. I'm like, well, this is fun. I've learned how to walk once and yet this is different. So I, I saw it as an experience, a fun activity. Same with learning to run, like doing 100 meter sprints. I used to do 800 meters before and I thought, well, I've lost a limb. I'm going to learn to run. So I may as well learn a different form of running. And I've just always seen it as a fun challenge rather than something to you know resist um so i've yeah i've just really enjoyed this whole experience of you know being sporty before and learning new ways of being sporty now so if you guys have been listening to the show for a while now you know that we have been working with ag1 for over a year and one thing i didn't realize was that it has been continuously improved since 2010. So it's really led the future for foundational nutrition. And even though I'm taking a little break while I'm pregnant right now, I get to see the results in my husband, which I'm quite jealous of. So we just got back from a race in Vegas. And the fact, because sometimes races like this one, you don't have a whole lot of access to healthy food. So the fact that we could bring the travel packs and he could just mix one with the cold water every day, was so important. So he was getting his prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, but also magnesium and B vitamins for energy and support and adaptogens to balance the body's stress and vitamin C and zinc to help support immune health. So those are key factors to performing your best and feeling your best out there. I mean, the heat did end up getting him in the race, but his digestion was perfect. He also was able to recover really fast, which is great because when we have to come home and immediately deal with the children, I need him to have full energy. If you wanna take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to drinkag1.com backslash TRWP. That's drinkag one dot com backslash trwp to check it out i love that that's 
inspiring and also like challenging no matter what. If you have a background in one area to change as an adult on what your specialty can be and you're like quick twitch muscles, that's sort of a challenge for anybody. So that's really cool. I, I can relate to that in that sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It is cool. So what, what were some of the first races that you came back to? And one thing obviously that we'll touch on that I, I just found more about this morning actually was your Red Bull 400 meter challenge. I was sort of in my mind thinking like that you would have put a year's worth of training into this, but am I correct that it was like six days? Yeah. So the Red Bull 400, I didn't know about, about the event. I didn't know it existed until like a month before because Red Bull reached out very kindly and said, would you want to do it? And with obviously Lily losing my life, I want to snatch up every opportunity that I possibly can. So I couldn't walk for three months this year due to having a cut on my amputated limb and I couldn't wear my prosthetic leg. So I wasn't in the best fitness state of my life and I only could train for six days prior. So <laughs> yeah, but with it being the world's steepest 400 meter race, it's it went up to 78 degree incline. And for an amputee, that is your idea of hell. Uh, that's the last thing you want to be doing. And it was very rocky and we normally avoid rocks and hills. So it was a proper danger zone for me. Uh, so I had no idea if I could actually even physically complete it, but I just knew that my mind is so strong and I believe in myself and I have the determination to finish. So yeah, I, I just knew my mind would carry me through, even though it was a struggle physically. So um, yeah, I, I did it and I was became the first amputee to ever do it, which is crazy. And it made me really emotional actually, because there's a video which is on my Instagram of me going up the smallest slope of about five degrees when I just came out of hospital and I was so weak I couldn't even stand up straight like I was hunched over and there I was about to take on the steepest race in the world and it was just such a huge reflective moment for me of how far I've come in the past six years and I, just, I still can't believe it now and it just makes me emotional when I look at the videos um of course so yeah it was, it was huge so I after that was like oh just want to do more I, I just want to push my body and my boundaries and see how far I can go and I think doing a challenge like that is huge for you mentally because you know I think anyone that struggles with depression anxiety or whatever it may be should do something like that because doing something that you think is actually impossible for you to do it creates this new level of self-belief and confidence within you that makes you feel like you can do anything and my day-to-day -day, I'm like oh I can do that because I can climb that hill and you've got a reference point of, you know, your history of who you are as a person that you are strong and you can create this like Bible of who you are as a person with these things that you do. And each time you grow and push yourself out of your comfort zone, you learn more about yourself and you just strive to do better and do more. And I just think it's so interesting to learn more about yourself and how strong you are mentally. So that's why I want to take on the London Marathon now. And I am in April because I just think it's such a cool thing to do just to test yourself. Yeah, I I love that. We talk about that parallel between life and races. I think even more so for women where they do this thing that they really didn't think possible and then suddenly they feel like, oh, you know what? I am entirely capable of getting that promotion in the workplace or doing anything else that anybody's doing in any sector of life because as you just said, like I have that platform to stand on now and it is so impactful and I, I love that for sure. Yeah, because we can speak so horrible to ourselves, right? And yes. that's something I've really tried to work on because 
I think it's having the awareness of what you're saying to yourself. So anytime I realize I'm saying something mean, I'll write it down and I try and stop myself from doing that. And I think when you do something so huge, that's a massive challenge that you didn't think you'd be able to do, it kind of completely diminishes those thoughts that you have because you're you're rewiring your brain in a way and starting to believe in yourself more. So then you don't think those negative thoughts as much. And I just think it's an incredible thing to do. And I highly recommend. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. This is such a tangent, but there was actually a study that professional athletes will refer to themselves in third person because it's so much easier to speak negatively in I terms to be like, oh my God, I suck or I look terrible today or whatever it be, where it's way harder to say, Hillary, you suck because that makes my brain think I'm saying it to somebody else. And it's harder yes. to be that ruthless to another person. I love that. That's so true though, isn't it? Because you would never be that horrible to other people. But So why are we to ourselves? I'm going to start trying to implement that. Thank you for that one. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, you just touched on something that I was so excited for the timing of this podcast, because obviously we're a bit of an endurance-based show as well. So I saw you start training for the London Marathon, which is absolutely epic. So let's back up. And what was it that made you want to sign up for that particular marathon and, uh, and just that distance? So I've wanted to do a marathon for a long time. And, you know, obviously learning to walk and being at university, there was never really the moment. And after the Red Bull 400, I thought now's the time. Like, I, you know, when you just have to make the decision, otherwise it could just run away with you forever. And so mm-hmm. I just thought this is it. And uh, I thought London would be the best one because obviously it's local to me and it's, you know, I was born here. So I thought that'd be a lovely first one to do. And I just, I just think it'd be such a cool experience. And I started training three weeks ago and the longest I'd ever run before that was 3K. Uh, and now I've done about 6K. So <laughs> I'm slowly progressing. But it's funny, someone said on social media to me the other day, why, why have you gone for a marathon and not a half marathon? And I thought that was really funny because I hadn't even considered doing a half marathon until that person <laughs> commented that. Because for me, I think go go hard or go home. You know, if I'm going to do something, say, you strike me as a go big or go home. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be doing a half marathon in my training. I'm killing two birds with one stone. Why would I not do more? Um, but I just, I'm really excited to learn so much about the process. You know, I'm already doing it now. I, I've had calls today with an SNC coach, a physio, an osteo, because obviously being an amputee, I really need good support, and I don't want to injure myself. And, you know, learning about, you know, what the best running vests are and the electrolytes and the shoes and trying to trial all these clothing and even leggings for as an, me as an amputee. There's there's so much to learn. And, you know, I'm so excited to see how I cope mentally because I am such a strong person. But I think doing those distances and the struggles that I know I'm going to go through and I'm just so excited to learn more about myself and see how I get through difficult things and I know it's not going to be easy and I know that you know me to do long distances means that my lifestyle is going to change because I won't be able to be wearing my prosthetic leg around the house I have to use my crutches and my wheelchair but I'm happy to do those sacrifices to see how much I can push myself and grow and it's it's just more the journey of learning how I approach this and being able to share that with other amputees that have no idea either or even able-bodied people that are just curious or people that are into running. I just I just think it's such a cool thing for people to learn about and go along the journey with me as I learn because I have no idea and I think that's really exciting. It's just the unknown that I'm looking forward to. 
I want to take a quick second to thank today's sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Currents, which is a natural running supplement made from New Zealand, New Zealand black currants with scientifically proven benefits for better recovery, better performance, GI support in the heat, and special fat metabolism effects. So they've just launched in Canada and the US, and one of the things that is so amazing about them that has caused a whack of elite athletes and teams around the world to start using them is their ability to decrease your DOMS, which is your delayed onset muscle soreness. So you actually get three times faster recovery and 49% less muscle soreness. So if you don't experience that, they will give you your money back. So they're currently working with Hayden Hawk, Stephanie Flippin, Ruth Croft, Anna Frost. They're all using Currens for their training and racing. And when you're trying to do strength training in the off season and still get some solid workouts in, it's been super beneficial in my family. So if you go to currensusa.com and use discount code TRW20, you're gonna get 20% off your first purchase. That's currensusa.com using discount code TRW20, and I will link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah, I think you're really gonna enjoy the part where you kind of get to the edge of your comfort zone completely and think, okay, I wanna stop now, and then decide that you're not going to, because it's yeah. it's a long time that you're there and you get to really see like what it's like kind of in that place. And there's not really other ways in regular life to to get there as yeah. often. So yeah, it'll be a really cool experiment. I'm really lucky in the fact that I've, I'm getting a good team around me. I, I don't know if you know who Joshua Patterson is. Do you no. know who that is? He's from the UK, but he ran 76 marathons in 76 days, running, uh, raising money for charity. And he's got a coaching app called Runner, which I'm using. And he's helping me so much. He's lo- such a lovely person. And he's like getting me in the future. He said, I'm going to make sure that, you know, you're doing like a half marathon without any headphones and just training my mind more. So I think mm. it's going to be so helpful having good support around me, people who have learned and made their mistakes and can guide me so I'm able to you know flourish more easily I think um because I feel like it's important who you surround yourself with as well so oh 100 you kind of touched on something there I thought was interesting that you can't wear your prosthetic leg around the house as much then is that just that there's this kind of a time limit or you need to let it your leg relax kind of after running on it for so long or yeah, I just get a lot of pain. So right. it's like really throbs my leg uh, and I get really bad phantom limb pain. Do you know Do you know what that is? I do. Yeah, it's you very do. interesting. A lot of people don't, but... Um, well, I yeah. guess the like, I don't know, is this right where your leg used to be the map on your brain that it can kind of fire to where that limb was on your brain and it doesn't know the difference if it's actually there or not? Perfect. That's a great explanation. Well done. <laughs> so yeah, I get constant like sharp pins and needles. Uh, I get really bad shooting pains. So sometimes I'm like, I scream and have to grab my leg and it is just innate. It's so painful that I'm just like, oh. Um, and then I also annoyingly get a lot of tickling and you, you can't scratch that itch, <laughs> you know? So that that's a bit frustrating, but there's techniques that you can do you can hold a mirror in between your legs. So it, it tricks your brain into seeing two legs there and it can help right. stop the pain. There's medication you can take, which I actually stopped taking because I didn't want to be on medication forever. But I think I'm going to go back on it whilst I'm training for the marathon because I know I'm going to get in a lot more pain. And with me specifically, 
I don't have much feeling in my leg. So I've had it before where I couldn't feel that I was in pain. So I went from zero to 100, ended up in hospital, had an infection, had to have surgery. So I need to be really cautious with my leg and make sure that that doesn't happen. And that's why I just need a lot of support um, because, yeah, it's not great. So that's why I need to be on crutches and wheelchair and not be on my leg the whole time because it's just not good for it. I think that's probably uh, partly why your Instagram would be so beneficial to anybody else that goes through any kind of amputation because of all of the details you're sharing of things like I wouldn't even think about, of course, you're running long distance. Suddenly the terrain that you are running on, if you're just trying to go for a road run around a city is a massive challenge and all those types of things. Were you expecting some of those or is it just sort of every day poses something different? Uh, I've learned to adapt and know that things can happen at whatever points. Um, So I feel like I've become really good at just accepting the situation and just dealing with it as it comes. So, you know, with not being able to walk for three months this year, that wasn't fun, but I do the best I can in every situation. So I think it's just the life of an amputee. You just know it's going to happen. And, you know, I might be have really active days some days and then I can't walk at all. So it's just very up and down. And once you you accept that that's the case, then you don't really have a problem with it. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious, I know, and I kind of said this in the email a bit that I was went back on your Instagram and you had some posts about challenges that you had in university and and kind of growing up in the way that you dealt mentally with them, including some body image stuff and things like that. Do you find now that you have a different perspective on that where you're like, why would like, that's such a small problem compared to other things I deal with? Has that shifted your mindset? So what's really interesting with having, so it was a binge eating disorder that I had and I got that because I mean I've always loved food I've always loved chocolate sweets and I've always been able to eat a lot I'm a girl that eats and so when I was in hospital I couldn't actually feed myself or really move my body at all for the first two weeks so I lost a lot of weight and then my surgeon said you need to eat a lot because you need it for your body to help with the recovery and Mm just rubbish food so every single day I was having Starbucks McDonald's I was having so much rubbish food and it just didn't really stop and my surgery I had over 25 so every single post-surgery I was you know my parents amazingly I loved it at the time greeted me with a subway and obviously I wasn't moving so I was gaining weight ridiculously and then I kept that eating habit up for like a year and a half whilst I was at university and I wasn't exercising that much whilst I was at uni because I was just so focused on getting it first and So my eating habits just got progressively worse. But I'm the sort of person that once I say enough is enough, I'm enough, you know. So when I finished uni, I was like, I'm sorting this out. So I just exercised, I was eating well. And um, I literally within six months became a Gymshark athlete. So I'm very, when I want to be determined, I really can be. But I still, even now though, I still get moments of if I want a chocolate bar, I don't, want just a little chocolate bar I want a whole chocolate family bag and I want I want it all but it just comes down to discipline really so I I still have those thoughts in my mind of wanting it and I think it's I think it also is emotional eating sometimes if I'm not feeling great I'm like oh just like a bit of chocolate which I'm sure is pretty normal but um yeah I don't know I don't really compare it to what I've been through or think oh that's you know minor in comparison because I think 
even with a lot of people compare themselves to me and are like, well, I've been through nothing compared to you. And I just think it's all relative. You know, I think right. we have different experiences in life and it affects us differently. And all we can do is just try and, you know, cope with them and crack on as best as we can, really. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. And I also, the binge eating and the food concerns or issues are so common in endurance running too, because I think the people that sign up for marathons or ultra marathons are all or nothing people. And we treat everything that way. And then a lot of times if they've done work to kind of overcome that type of thing, then you get to this position where suddenly if you're going to do a training run, that's 30 kilometers, you actually have to eat so much food to fuel your body. And I think some people find that part of it mentally challenging to think like, okay, I don't want to get into old habits, but I do need to eat enough to get what I need to recover from this run. Um, And I think it just, it becomes a very interesting place to really trust what your body needs versus what you're doing to just numb out. So I'm excited to see how someone with your mindset kind of handles that feeling as you get into your deep mileage. See, that's really interesting because last week was my first proper week of running. And so I was cautious I didn't know how much to do in the gym compared to the running and obviously running's new to me. I didn't know how much I would be in pain. So I felt like last week I was just really trialing things and I noticed that my nutrition went off a bit and I could, I could sense that my mindset was, well, I'm running now, so I need more fuel. And I didn't stick to what I would normally do nutrition wise. So I've already, even though I'm not running long distances, I can already hear that part of my brain being like, oh, it's fine, you know? And it is fine, but I I have the awareness to realize what's going on because I'm always, you know, I'm always conscious of what I'm thinking. And so for this week now I'm on it and I'm, you know, making sure it's my protein that's really high or whatever it may be and making sure that I'm eating like good foods to fuel me. And I, I still have chocolate, but I just am disciplined in the fact that I just have a small bit. And I think as I go on to do longer runs, it, I think it's just about listening to my mind and realizing what I'm doing and now I'm getting help from other people. I think I'll be okay, hopefully. But if I'm not, then I feel like I have the awareness now to hopefully, you know, bring myself back, rein it in. <laughs> yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. It's like if you're, like if I do a long run and I don't focus on um, getting those amino acids and that protein primarily back, then it'll be like 24 hours later and suddenly I'm like skip the dishes ordering um, a blizzard for like $45 to have it delivered in five minutes. Like, and it's, I can't control it. And I'm like, oh my God, I am so depleted of the things that I actually need. Now yeah. I'm just like shoving my face with crap. Thing is, cause when you don't write, then it makes you want the crap stuff more. Yeah. So I feel you on that. <laughs> <laughs> so many aspects to long distance running. It's, it's really fun. I'm excited though to learn all about it. So As you started this because you couldn't find anybody to relate to, and it's been quite a few years now, have you had other amputees reach out that are asking questions or or trying to do um, this type of athletic stuff as well? All the time. I I receive it all the time. And it's when people actually say things to me like, I don't know what I'd do without you because you've shown me the way. And for people to say that to me makes me so happy because it means that I've achieved what I set out to do. And I just hope that I continue to show people if you push yourself and, you know, you open up your mind that you can do things. And I think if you're told that you're about to lose a limb or it's going to happen, you think the worst thing in the world. And so to see someone that's actually happy and okay, I think 
hopefully is life-changing for them and that makes me happy to know that I'm, I'm doing that um but I also really appreciate when amputees are like oh my gosh like I know how hard this is I can't believe you're doing that or even just the right. way that I move yesterday someone said oh my gosh the way you control your blade that is incredible and so because they know how it feels I think I take myself for granted sometimes because I am so determined that to me that's just my normality but for other people that that it might not be so it kind of puts into perspective for me how much I actually really try and push myself and then it can hopefully lead the way for other amputees to think the same so I only know of one amputee who actually used to be a Paralympian he's called Richard Whitehead um he's a double amputee and he's run about 73 uh, marathons and he's incredible so I'm going to go on a run with him and he will help me but um apart from that I don't really I've not really heard of too many I know the lady I think her name is Jackie might be saying that wrong. Might it might be. I think it is Jackie. And she she's from America and she ran 104 marathons in 104 days. Oh my god. Yeah, and cra- like crazy incredible. You should get her on. <laughs> but yeah, okay. um, she's a left below knee amputee. So there aren't many of us, but I hope that through sharing my story it will hopefully motivate and inspire people to think, you know, I'm going to do that too. Yeah, I think it will and I think you kind of briefly touched on it too just the fact that you can tell you are just happy in your videos. I think yeah. some people just need to see that, that you can basically just feel like your normal self, um, even when you're not accomplishing something in that moment, like you're just your disposition as a human being. I think that's what people care about the most, really, just to know that yeah. they can be okay, fine and happy. And that's all that I wanted to know. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think that's the number one most important part of it all, really. So I'm wondering too, like we talk about making these decisions so quickly, like, okay, this isn't what I want to do anymore. I'm going to change my path when it's the binge eating or, okay, now I'm going to be number one at university. Do you have any steps that you can kind of break down for people who are say in that or having trouble making that decision where they're like, I really want to stop doing this, but it keeps happening over and over again. Like, how do you actually take the first step to make that change? I think you just have to want it enough, to be honest. Um, I think it, it, it depends on each person because only you know how long you want to sit back for. Um, and it, it is about taking control of your life, taking responsibility and owning your actions and knowing that, you know, don't play, don't be a victim. Everything that you've got to in your life is based on previous decisions or actions that you've done. So being able to actually take full control and responsibility and stop blaming others that's the only way you're going to change. So once you've acknowledged that and then be like, okay, this is what I want to do and finding your why and your purpose to actually motivate you and push you to do that thing, figuring that out will then inevitably make you do that because anytime you want to live, like eat that chocolate bar or you don't want to move or, you know, you've just got to make the decision and think about the greater good of who you want to be in the future. You know, ask yourself what would tomorrow's Millie for example what would tomorrow's Millie want Millie to do right now and just thinking about your future self because the short-term things if you're just focusing on the short time you're not going to be looking after yourself and you're not going to be happy in the future so it's just about taking control and figuring out what you actually want to do finding your purpose and just taking action that is it and I think the more you take action and tell yourself that you're going to do something and do it the easier it becomes. So sometimes I'm like, I'm getting up at five tomorrow and I'm going to go on a run in the dark. Like just making that decision and then actually sticking to it. 
all these small decisions, they compound and, you know, feed into your self-belief because an example, if I, if I was meeting up with a friend and I kept canceling, the friend's going to lose trust in me and think, oh, do you know what? She's not going to turn up. So I'm not going to go. So it's the same thing with yourself. If you keep telling yourself you're going to do something and then you don't, you lose trust within yourself and then you think you can't do anything. So it's just about keeping up those small habits and actually doing the things that you say you're going to do, stick to your word, take action. You'll be able to change. It's just about controlling yourself. And that that's it. <laughs> that's a really cool way of articulating it. I've never heard it explained like that, where, yeah, if you imagine yourself as another person letting yourself down over and over again, you're just going to believe that is what you do. Yeah. And then you're limiting yourself in your mind. And then you're going to think, well, I can't do that. And who you are, who you are and your character is just based off previous things that you do. You can completely change your character based on your actions. And so like, I, I, let me think of an example. I, um, I, I used to hate getting up early, like with a passion, I would go, I'd work really late. I would stay up to like 4am. I'd be like, I'm not a morning person. I'm not a morning person. And that's because based on my previous history, that's how I would act. And I was attaching this way of being to my character when actually that's not my character. They're just actions that I've taken. And now I love getting up early and I go to bed early and now that's my new character. And it's just about not attaching things to yourselves because you can completely change the way that you live your life. Does that make sense? It totally does. I was just thinking like I've had so many interviews and often people are inspiring, but I've never sort of sat here and felt so motivated after somebody's talk. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow, what are the things I can do? Like this opens up so many doors. You're absolutely right. Well, it's 6 a.m. Well, around there for you, isn't it? So you've got a good day ahead. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> it's so true though. Like you completely can rewrite who you are as a person. It just comes down to your actions and taking control of it. Yeah, it 100% does. And the other thing I kind of saw on one of your training notes that I really like and I'm a huge believer in is you want to take on this big, crazy, audacious goal and you don't have to think about how outlandish it is that day. You just have to work backwards and say like, okay, that means the work I have to do today is 5K, even though the end goal is 42. You can really break it down into just the bite-sized piece you have to get done in that day. And I think that really helps get people going. 100%. If I think about the bigger picture, I would freak out. I don't I don't even think about it. When people talk to me, oh, you're running a marathon, how, do you, how are you going to cope? It's, it doesn't even enter my mind. I just focus on each day and I'm like, well, today's a 5K or a six or whatever it is. But like, that was the same in hospital. I would be told by the anesthetist all these risks that could happen during the surgery. And it was like, it just went over my head and I wasn't listening because I just, for me, it's like, why worry about something twice? Because if I'm worrying about it before it happens and then when it actually happens, I'm just worrying twice. So I'm just going to be chilling and then, focus on each thing that I need to do and deal with whatever happens if and when it happens. Um, so for me, I'm, I feel like I'm good at not freaking myself out about things and just going with the process and enjoying the moment. And I think that is how I get through doing these, you know, going through tough things in life and going through crazy stuff. Because when you look at the bigger picture, it just scares you and it makes you want to do nothing otherwise. Yeah, 100%. At the same time, speaking of bigger picture... <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any big goals after London Marathon, like five years, things like that, um, that you are excited about? 
Yeah, so I'm such a goal person, as you can probably tell. <laughs> but for me, there's things I want to do. Like I really want to write a few books, um, one more about my accident and then stuff about resilience and mindset because I'm really passionate about that. And I would love to create my own business. I'm always thinking of ideas for like to help amputees and help people with their minds. So I know I definitely want to do that. But at the same time, I know me and I also think after the London Marathon, I'll obviously have to rest and whatnot. But for me, it's like, I love the idea of going around and doing marathons in different countries or, you know, would love to do an ultra one day and just keep pushing my boundaries and seeing what I can do. So I think, as although I have lots of goals and I'm working towards them and I want to do them, I also am open to you know, life and just going with the flow and seeing what comes knocking. Like I never knew that I was going to do the Red Bull 400 and then I did it and it made me feel great. So um, I just feel like I'm trying to go with the flow, live through life, be present, have fun and try and help the world and focus on my book and my business at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those are pretty good goals, but it all sort of does tie together. Like who knows, maybe you end up with invites to all the world majors where you also do some public speaking and all these things, like they sound like they naturally will tie together too, you know? So I'm actually already doing public speaking. So I've, this year, which I can't believe, I've done it at Google, Amazon, I've done PayPal, who else have I oh, done? Wow. Samsung, which I can't believe it. Um, Cause I, I decided that this year I really want to do more public speaking and all of this comes, but I would love, love, love to do a TED talk. Um, I'm actually reading a book at the moment called Talk Like Ted and they've analysed all the best TED Talks and um, so hopefully one day I'll be doing one of those. <laughs> yeah, I can see that for you for sure. Um, it's it's really cool to have somebody that has so much good info but is also so well-spoken and then relatable as well. So that's probably just how you move people the most, right? As they see some part of themselves in your journey, however that is. That's so kind. Thank you very much. <laughs> I really appreciate that. So before we hop off here, I have a couple of last questions. Yes. Post long run, whatever that is for you, what is your favorite meal that you're craving? Pasta. Honestly, okay. it could be anything, just pasta involved. I love a mascarpone sauce. <laughs> Lots oh, of yeah. I'm a big fan of tuna as well. I can't believe the macros of tuna. That's something I've discovered this year. <laughs> Love you know. Yeah, totally. And if you could describe running in three words, what would they be? Oh, that's a good one. Um, mm -hmm. Refreshing, freeing, and solitude. Oh, yeah, those are good. It's funny, I ask that question a lot and I've done over 200 episodes and I don't think anybody, well, I know they haven't said refreshing or solitude. It's amazing how everybody comes up with these creative answers and they're all so accurate. Yeah. You should gather everyone's and put them all together because I'd love to see that. I know, I know. I'm definitely going to one day. Yeah. Project. So I want to thank you so much for your time. Your story is awesome. And I, I really love that we got to chat at the beginning of your London Marathon training because I am definitely going to be um, watching watching that and see how it goes. And I'm sure a lot of people are. So if you want to plug your website, your Instagram, all of that stuff, where can people find you? So it's just Millie Pickles, Millie with a Y. And I'm on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Okay. Awesome. And I will link to all of that in the show notes as well. 
I feel like I should come back on once I've done the marathon. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that. I was like, I don't want to ask now. <laughs> Give me some time. I would love to rehash that. Yeah, the before and after. It'd be fun. Yes, totally. Well, thank you again. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it.